I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast. On this week's podcast, we examine what impact Seattle may have on the MLS media rights deal. We talk European Cup titles. We discuss the prospect of who may play the Sounders in the Club World Cup. And we answer the questions from you, the listeners. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Kyle Fansler. My name is Christopher Harris. And for those listeners who are new to this podcast, this is our weekly deep dive into soccer media, as well as uh, the games we've been watching and kind of the the main storylines when it comes to soccer. Now, Kyle... <laughs> There's so much to choose from in terms of the Champions League. So you could take any Champions League, right? Fill in the blank. It could be uh, UEFA Champions League, uh, CONCACAF Champions League. I think the Asian Champions League is going on at the same time too. There's also the CAF Champions League. You've got Copa Libertadores, which is effectively the Champions League of South America. But what for you, if you had to pick out one story this week from a Champions League, which one would it be and why? You're right that there was a lot of Champions League to choose from. In terms of this past week, I don't think we're going to see much more drama than that, at least on a frequent basis, especially over, for example, three games. But if I had to choose one that stood out to me, and this is, of course, me coming as an American, saying that uh, Seattle's win in the CONCACAF Champions League, I think it's a huge deal, not just for Seattle, but for Major League Soccer as a whole. I mean, uh, We've seen CONCACAF, or I should say, we've seen American teams win this competition before, back before it was the officially dubbed the Champions League, it was a Champions Cup back then, and CONCACAF only started sending teams to the FIFA Club World Cup in 2005. So LA Galaxy and DC United, they both won before then, so they never got to go to a different country and play against the other winners of the uh, the like the, the Continental Championships. So now there is a real chance that Seattle will play a club like Liverpool or Real Madrid, depending on who wins the UEFA cha- the UEFA Champions League. So we've seen, you know, summertime friendlies, you know, MLS All-Stars playing, Bayern Munich, for example. But now there's a legitimate trophy. I mean, you look at the past Club World Cup, Chelsea fielded a full team in the 2021 uh, FIFA Club World Cup. Do I think Seattle can win the competition? Uh, I'm going to say no. I mean, anything's possible, but... Uh, the la- uh, no CONCACAF team has won the competition before. The best finish was from Tigres back in 2020, and that was a that was a 1-0 loss against the uh, treble-winning Bayern side from 2020. So anything's possible, but it would be a, a tall order for Seattle to pull that off. 
So the weird thing, though, is that we don't know when the next Club World Cup is. <laughs> so F- F- FIFA has not decided yet. It's, uh, I believe it's supposed to be in UAE, but uh, maybe it's later this year. I think originally it was going to be in China, but nobody knows yet. So, but there will be a time and place where Seattle Sanders will be in that competition as well as you mean, either Real Madrid or Liverpool. And then you go through all the different kind of regional Champions Leagues around around the world and you bring the winners into that competition so yeah it's this is a big deal i mean i'll i'll get into the media rights in a second uh kyle but why is this a big deal what other than this being the first time that a club from mls has won this competition and other than the prospect of playing possibly a liverpool or real madrid uh, real madrid why is this a big deal is are, are there other reasons i think it's just the fact that major league soccer over the last I don't know how many years you'll you'll have a better understanding of how much it's grown, but there was a, such a, a gap between Major League Soccer and the rest of the world. Obviously, the whole retirement league uh, pedigree that it gets because it brings on these old players from real competitions, but now it's Major League Soccer being a real competition. They're beating teams from other countries. So, uh, assuming the Club World Cup does happen, it would be Major League Soccer's real chance to show itself. I mean, Seattle obviously has been the cream of the crop in Major League Soccer over the last, I don't know, five years or five years, ten years. Um, no other team's been as consistent as Seattle, so I think if you're going to choose a representative, you'd want it to be uh, the Sounders. So uh, it's, uh, I'm trying to think of other reasons, but I think it's just uh, a, leg- a legitimate you know, announcement that Major League Soccer is here, and hopefully they can make a, a stage on what we hope is a, a Club World Cup. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right there. It's um, this win gains MLS respect mm-hmm. uh, and also elevates the perception of this league. So, you I mean, it's one of those things that now MLS haters can't say like, ah, well, you I mean, MLS has never won a CONCACAF Champions League. Well, yes, it has finally. Uh, the big, big, the big question is, is where does it, they go from here? So, in terms of next season, do clubs in MLS become more competitive in this now that uh, the monkey's off the back? And then next year too, you've got um, the league's cup, so you've got a, a whole month of uh, competitions between Liga MX clubs and clubs from MLS. The leagues are shutting down effectively in the summer of 2023, and we'll see some more. Uh, you mean battles between the teams, and it was a good game, and it was great to see Seattle with with a sold out crowd. What was it sixty eight thousand people, fans going crazy, great passion, great game, and actually over over both legs, a great final. And it's one of those things, though, too. So the media rights side of things, um, this does come out at a good time because. You mean MLS is still uh, negotiating with the different uh, partners out there, broadcast partners, trying to find a deal, trying to figure out a way to make this work. And this does come at a perfect time in terms of elevating the league, uh, increasing the perceived value of the League's Cup, uh, featuring the Liga MX clubs, and kind of elevating the league as a whole. So that's good timing uh, by Seattle Sanders to win it for MLS. And... uh, the strange thing, though, about this one, so the the final, the second leg of the final was on FS1. You mean it's it's a must win game. Whoever wins, you mean wins the competition. And on this one, it was I think about basically the the average viewing audience on this one on the English language FS1 was three hundred thousand people watched this game. It's not a massive number. Uh, it's not a tiny number, but out of that 300,000, approximately about, I think, 179,000 people of those were watching it from Seattle. So you had 
you mean roughly what? Uh, you mean basically a hundred and twenty thousand odd people watching this game from around the rest of the country. So effectively, unless everyone was watching the Spanish language broadcast, it, it kind of sends a message that you mean if if Seattle's not your team and you support a different club in MLS or or you don't support a club in MLS or you're a neutral, there's not a lot of interest in it. Now, maybe that they've won it, maybe next season it will make a difference. But I think the MLS TV deal, the one that's coming up, uh, that they're still negotiating uh, starting in 2023 onwards, really the sweet spot with that is the Spanish language audience. I mean, that's really the sweet spot of, I think, what MLS is going for. Yes, definitely, they want to grow that English language side, but the Spanish language is key to that. Now, Kyle, I mean, that was the CONCACAF Champions League. We had the UEFA Champions League this week. Uh, anything that stood out? Well, actually, and, and of course, Europa League and the UEFA Europa Conference League. Uh, anything out from those games or uh, those matches that stood out for you? I think the better question would actually be what from those games didn't stand out. I mean, each game, it seemed, had drama, had late goals or big saves, big moments, I mean, from each competition. It wasn't just like, oh, that that uh, Manchester City-Real Madrid game, that was full of drama, that was a good week of watching soccer. No, it was the Liverpool game, Villarreal early on, uh, pushing Liverpool to the brink, but then obviously Liverpool's class kind of came in clutch for them. Then I mentioned the Real Madrid game, and then you look at the Europa League, the Eintracht Frankfurt fans storming the field. I mean, I'll be honest, I'm a Barcelona fan, and I really did not like uh, all the Frankfurt fans in uh, Camp Nou. I'm not saying it was their fault. It was definitely Barcelona's fault that that happened. But, I mean, it really just, I didn't like them for a little bit. And now I'm just like, wow, that's a, that's a club that fully deserves to be in these, these finals. And at first, my reaction to the Europa Conference League, I didn't like it. I thought it was just another ploy by UEFA to make some more money. But, I mean, you see Feyenoord and Roma, two teams that obviously have a lot of pedigree. It's going to be a great final. I know it's not, you know, the small teams everyone was imagining, some small team from Norway playing a team from Albania, for example. No, it's two teams that have experience, have success at the domestic level, at the European level. I mean, each of the games that we watched on Thursday was just awesome. I mean, the the Rangers game against uh, RB Leipzig really stood out. That game had good goals. It had drama. I mean, the, the fans there were just mm-hmm. going bananas uh, at that I think it was like the 86 minute that the Rangers grabbed the the lead it was just uh that was a lot of fun to watch I would say that game was probably the highlight of me watching outside of the the 90th minute antics at the Santiago Bernabeu yeah so that's the common thread this week and and of course uh coming out of the pandemic or mostly um that is a common thread is is fans and what a difference they made because it makes a massive difference to watching the game and yes we saw some fantastic football on the pitch and probably there's, there's some other podcasts out there that go deep dive into the kind of the the tactical matchups and the one the players the one on ones etc. But you look at Villarreal and their fans going nuts uh, in that small stadium on Tuesday. Uh, on Wednesday you had the Seattle fans going nuts uh, on Wednesday night, and then Thursday, of course, like you mentioned, the Rangers fans, uh, the Frankfurt fans. The 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 fire uh, firenode fans, uh, AS Roma fans, etc., etc., etc. That was something that really made those games come alive, and and it does impact the players on the pitch. The game that was that should have been the the biggest kind of fan f- fest, so to speak, would have been Real Madrid against uh, Man City in the second leg. But I st- oh my gosh, I ca- I hate that top that yeah, to- that really. top on that bottom lower level in uh, the Santiago uh, Bernabeu. 
I know that the the stadium is still under uh, construction. Uh, Kyle, you're a Barcelona fan. Barcelona, I think next season, are going to be playing a lot of games away because they're going to be uh, redeveloping their stadium. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I just I just hate that because from a TV viewer perspective, you could hear the fans, uh, the, the, the Madrid fans, um, but you couldn't really see them. And it, and it felt like it was almost like going back to uh, during the pandemic, watching games from the Bundesliga where there'd be no fans in the stadium. It wasn't that bad, but that's what it reminded me of seeing that, that top. Yeah, I think the, the biggest shame about the Real Madrid one is just because that section where uh, Rodrigo scored those two goals in the 90th and 91st minute, that's right where their their biggest supporter group is. Everyone's wearing a white shirt. Everyone's going crazy. And it, it would have been great to see the reaction there. Like I already mentioned, the Frank, the Frankfurt fans' reaction, the Rangers fans' reaction. I imagine it would have been similar, if not more, dramatic at the at the Bernabeu had all those fans been there. But yeah, that tarp is a, it's an eyesore. I get why they're doing it and making that stadium... Nice, but uh, just for these this season, I don't know when it's going to finish. But yeah, I'm I'm excited to have that that little eye blemish go away. <laughs> so what what I find interesting is that we now have three European Cups to look forward to. So in the past, we used to have the European Cup and UEFA Cup, and those uh, competitions morphed into the current uh, UEFA Champions League and the UEFA Europa League. And now, like you mentioned, Kyle, uh, something that we thought was a cash grab. And it is in a way still, but uh, with the addition this year of the UEFA Europa Conference League, uh, it's a tongue twister, but we now have a third title, and now we know who the finalists are. I mean, so for that Conference League uh, final, uh, Feyenoord against AS Roma, I mean, two massive fan bases, very passionate fan bases, and of course, you've got Rangers against Eintracht Frankfurt, uh, and then Liverpool against Real Madrid, and it's uh, games over basically 10 days. Uh, three massive finals. Uh, the Rangers Eintracht Frankfurt game is going to be on, I believe, CBS Sports Network and Paramount Plus. Uh, the uh, Feyenoord against AS Roma will be on Paramount Plus, and then Liverpool against Real Madrid on on big CBS as well as Paramount Plus. I'm sure. So big games to look forward to there. Um, you mean the Rangers Eintracht Frankfurt game? The only concern I have there. Um, is over fans. I mean, so both, I mean, both, <laughs> you couldn't have picked a better fan base for both of those for the finalists. I mean, Rangers at Ibrox Stadium, those fans are going nuts. Uh, Eintracht Frankfurt uh, at the stadium there in, in Germany, they were going nuts too. Uh, so to have those packed into one stadium, the final is going to be, I, I think, in Sevi- uh, Seville mm-hmm. or Sevi- yeah. Sevilla. Um, and they're already, we've got an article at worldsoccertalk.com that's talking about. Uh, the airlines are uh, booking, basically setting up extra flights for all the German fans. I, I can't imagine how many fans are going to be in Sevilla, uh, even even non-ticketed fans, mm-hmm. just to be there to watch this game. And that's just a Europa League final, a competition that in the past was, I mean, to be honest, people would refer to it as a joke. Yep. Yep. It's, uh, I mean, I hope, I mean... I don't know. I'm sure all the fans are going to be safe. Uh, Frankfurt fans, I mean, they're phenomenal. I mean, they would not cause any issues. I'm sure Rangers fans can do the same thing. But uh, I'm actually, I like how it's uh, two teams that we're not used to seeing this situation. Like, Chris, you and I joked about how, you know, it's a little monotonous seeing Sevilla play in the Europa League final every year. I mean, to see six teams in these three finals from six different countries, 
it's pretty special. I mean, you look at Rangers, Eintracht Frankfurt, like I said, two teams that aren't always there. Feyenoord, AS Roma, like same thing. You know, some domestic success. Obviously, Feyenoord won a treble not too, I mean, in the, in the 80s. And then the Champions League final, no surprises there. It's just the England's most successful side in the competition against the most successful side in the competitions. But uh, in terms of the, the flights out there and the fans, I'm, I encourage that. I think it's great to have as many people there as possible, make a whole celebration out of it, because when's the next time we're going to see Rangers play Eintracht Frankfurt in a, a major European final? Yeah, and, and to be honest to you, and to be very fair to uh, to Rangers, usually Scottish fans are, are some of the most well-behaved, really, I mean, come they go, they go in numbers, uh, like to have a drink and two or two and sing sing a song and be merry. It's not like it's, uh, you mean, I don't know, former West Ham United uh, <laughs> kind of hooligans, kind of Green Street hooligans or anything like that. Uh, Eintracht Frankfurt are really passionate and, and they go out in numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, those those games are going to be great to watch. Yeah. All right, uh, let's see, Kyle. Uh, looking at this weekend's matches, speaking of games to watch, uh, which, what's your recommendation of what to watch this weekend? I went back and forth on this one between a game in the Premier League, but I ended up choosing the Madrid Derby. I mean, everyone knows that Real Madrid obviously won the La Liga this season. I mean, they were by far the best team in Spain, especially with Atletico and Barcelona struggling. But Atletico, Atletico Madrid, they have all to play for in this game. I mean, obviously everyone wants to beat their rival, and Atletico Madrid's going to treat this game like a final pretty much because they're playing Real Madrid. But you look at the league table in Spain. Atletico Madrid has a three-point lead over Real Betis, who plays Barcelona this weekend, which is also a pretty good game. But Atletico Madrid, they've struggled a little bit over the last couple of weeks, I think getting knocked out of the Champions League against Manchester City and that whatever you want to say happened at the end of that second leg, that really kind of put a damper on the whole season. Now they're kind of limping into the finish. It's an important game, obviously, for Champions League qualification, but more so it's a derby, and everyone loves a derby. That game's at, uh, on Sunday at 3 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. The, uh, the Madrid, Madrid derby should be a good one. So this week, uh, I went out for dinner one night, and I um, ran into a couple that I know that are friends of ours. And uh, he mentioned, you um, I mean, so so basically the, the dad mentioned like, hey, um, my dad's here. He's a huge soccer fan. So I started talking to him, and he's just a typical average American. And so we started talking about soccer, and he's he's new to soccer. And I said to him, like, so who's your team? And he said, I, I don't really have one. I just enjoy watching it. That, but then he said, "I just love Leeds United." I was like, "Wow!" <laughs> and and I've I've heard that from a lot of people this season too, because we had a poll on Twitter, I think uh, the World Soccer Talk Twitter account last weekend, and said, "Like, hey, unfortunately, we, if we had to pick one between Everton and Leeds United, which of the two teams would you want to see relegated?" And the the vast majority of people said Everton, just because Leeds United plays a really attacking style of play. Uh, fun to watch, lots of goals, sometimes conceding lots of goals, great fan base. And, and that's, was, that's what he was uh, kind of connected to. So for my game to watch this weekend, originally I was going to say Arsenal against Leeds United on uh, Sunday morning, 9 o'clock in the morning Eastern time. Uh, I still think that's going to be a great game to watch. Mm-hmm. And I think Leeds, Arsenal's a little bit inconsistent. So, I mean, Leeds, I mean, they, think they need points. And it's getting close to the, at the end of the season. And uh, Everton winning last week uh, and Burnley winning too is putting Leeds into a precarious position if they weren't there already. But my game to watch this weekend is uh, Verona against uh, AC Milan on Sunday, almost at the same time, Kyle, as your game is the Madrid derby. Your starts at 3, mine starts at 2.45 uh, Eastern time. And it's on CBS Sports Network and Paramount+. Plus. 
and it's it's the Tyler race. It's uh, we're recording this on Friday. Uh, Inter's playing today, and that could have ramifications on on the the Tyler race. But it's going down to the wire, and EC Milan has a good chance. So I'm going to watch it and see uh, watch the action unfold and hope for a great game. Yeah, I think it's funny. The uh, I think most people would say the game of the week this weekend is a. Uh... Liverpool Tottenham because you talk about title races. That's obviously got a massive implication on title race, but uh, yeah, that should be a good one as well. That uh, that game in England because Tottenham's what fifth? I think they're two points behind Arsenal right now for that fourth spot in the Premier League. So that game's got all kinds of uh, consequences from it. Yeah, and that one's a late one too. So mm-hmm. it's uh, you've got the I think it kicks off either two forty-five p.m. or three p.m. on Saturday. Um, you mean after the twelve thirty Eastern yep. Time kickoff game? So. Yeah, that's going to be uh, on fire for sure. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. All right, speaking on on fire, let's move on to listener mailbag. Uh, first up is Drew, who has a really good question. And this is in the listener mailbag. Drew says, uh, in regards to promotion relegation, you guys mentioned how the Premier League's relegation race is a big part of the league's attractiveness to fans. Why do you guys think that relegation races in other leagues, such as La Liga, Bundesliga, and Serie A, don't get anywhere near the attention that the Premier League does? I was thinking about this because all of the leagues I mentioned here have very close relegation races that are going down to the wire. So, Kyle, I'll ask you this question first. Like, any Any thoughts on why... More attention's paid to the Premier League relegation race? That's a good question. I'm trying to think of a logical answer, and honestly, I can't really think of one outside of the fact that the Premier League just has more popularity. I mean, I think this relegation race in the Premier League right now has Everton in it, and Everton's been in the Premier League since it has been around, pretty much. I've been in the first division for who knows how long. Mm-hmm. Um I'm since trying to think yeah, since the of actual 50s. other reasons, and I'm, I'm drawing blanks right now, but uh, hoping you have something for me, Chris. Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's basically because we care. I mean, we have an attachment to these teams, even if we don't support them, and, and most of the listeners probably don't support these teams. But you look at Norwich, and it's a yo-yo club, and it, after a while it gets a little bit um, predictable, <laughs> the situation that they go in, but they're, they're a fun team to watch. Uh, you mean, but we know them, right? We know Norwich City. We know Carrow Road. We know Josh, Josh Sargent. We know uh, Pookie. We, we have a knowledge of that team that we've, not that we're intimate with, but at least we, we, we know. We may not care 100%, but we, we're, we know who they are and what they're capable of doing. And, and maybe they, they might win a few games and uh, finish 
maybe they don't finish bottom, right? They're relegated already. They're, they're mm-hmm. done. But then you look at Watford, and then you look at Roy Hodgson and everything that he's been through and the clubs he's been to and managed Liverpool, England, etc. Um, Crystal Palace, of course. And a lot of those players, I mean, Watford on their day can be a really entertaining team to watch. But again, we know those players for the most part. I mean, we, we, we see the potential there. And again, it's, it's a yo-yo club again, too, but we're, we're familiar with them. And then you go into whether it's Everton, Leeds or Burnley. Um, and Burnley's not everyone's favorite team, but they're battling them ever since uh, uh, Sean D- uh, Dyke, uh, Deitch uh, left the, the club. Um, they've actually gone on a, on a run. They've actually mm-hmm. gotten better under, under Jackson. So it's a team we know. Turf more, the stadium, you mean the history. So, so I think that's it at the end of the day. So I don't know off, off the top of my head. La Liga, I would, I would imagine that Mallorca is near the bottom, towards the bottom. But I'm not looking at the bottom of the table. I'm looking at the top of the table or kind of the Europa League spots or the, or the Champions League spots. The Bundesliga is a little bit different in, in that they have a relegation playoff. So there is kind of a little bit of overlap there between the, um, the clubs going down and the clubs trying to get up. Um, that makes it a little bit different, a little bit more exciting. So that's one I pay attention to a little bit more closely. But it's usually not until that relegation playoff match. Now, Kartik, if he was on this podcast today, he'd probably say, like, hey, yeah, these teams, blah, blah, blah. You mean, whether it's uh, Augsburg or etc. cetera. Uh, Serie A, you mean, usually the teams near the bottom are, are those smaller clubs that aren't those, you mean, really big stories. They're not. I mean, so I, so I, I don't have an attachment to the clubs near the bottom of the Italian league or the German league or La Liga really. So, so I think that that's what it is. I mean, part of this goes into what NBC has done since 2013. And even before that with um, Fox sports, etc., where we've been watching, we have skin in the game. We, we've been watching these, these teams for years. We know the, the history of them. We can talk about them for about a good hour. If we sat down with a pint of beer at the, at the bar I don't think we can do that. Most of us cannot do that for the Bundesliga, La Liga, and Serie A. And you look at, uh, I mean, the French League. You can look at all the leagues in Europe. Um, and then from time to time, there is an interesting relegation story. But it's it's far removed. All right, next up is, uh, in regards to last week's podcast, we talked about soccer audiences being splintered into hundreds of different fan bases. JP says the fractured issue extends beyond soccer. There are simply fewer things that become shared cultural events or water cooler fodder in our age of streaming and viewing on demand with algorithms suggesting suggesting what you should uh, watch based on your viewing habits. Uh, We're all in our own world now. News, entertainment, etc. all succumb to this. Sports are uh, are most immune so far, but with soccer on the leading edge of the switch to streaming and all the various leagues to follow rather than just one for most uh, American-based sports, it is most noticeable here. The days of only having Fox Soccer Channel and getting what they give you are long gone. Uh, back then, soccer fans were likely t- uh, all watching the same games. The Premier League with over-the-air over and cable presence will still dominate the viewing uh, while other leagues go behind the streaming paywall and out of sight, out of mind, except for the most dedicated fans like those of us who frequent World Soccer Talk. Yeah, good good points there by JP. Does anything uh, ring true there for you, Kyle, or anything that uh, 
uh, you disagree with, perhaps? No, I don't think I disagree with anything. I think it's true that soccer is really leading this switch to streaming. I mean, you look at, because I watch a lot of hockey and basketball and baseball, and, you know, they're putting exclusive games on uh, Apple TV Plus, for example, or ESPN Plus, and soccer's been doing that for so long just because they couldn't get on, like, actual, like, a, like a, a TV channel, for example. Um, so I think JP's right that soccer is leading it, so... There's going to be so much diversity in terms of what we are able to watch, so we're going to have to develop our own preferences. And obviously, JP mentions the algorithms that are going to say, "Oh, you watched this previously? Why don't you try watching this?" Like, I'll uh, go to my ESPN app on my on my phone or my uh, my TV, and it'll show me the Barcelona game. But then I'll scroll down a couple pages even, and then I'll start seeing the Bundesliga games. So, you know, with everything getting so much more personalized. I think it's funny that JP mentions that we uh, were all watching the same matches back in the day, and that is uh, such a rarity now. Yeah, I think also part of this too is just the, the number of choices available. Um, if you look back, say, 20 years ago, or maybe maybe even longer than that, with uh, music, I mean, if you were watching, basically a music fan, you were probably watching MTV, and you'd see the same, I mean, dozen or so videos playing all day long. Um, and you'd have your radio stations, you'd, you'd be hearing pretty much the same songs. But these days with I mean, Spotify and other ways to, to listen to music, there's so many choices that if you sat down with somebody and said, like, hey, what's your favorite music? Uh, chances are, I mean, you and I might have completely different tastes or different things that we're listening to, even though even if it's really current music. Uh, so much choices. And, and that's part of the reason why I think that the audience is so splintered. Roberto says, last week's podcast presented a real contradiction. I agree with what Don Garber said all those years ago. There is too much world soccer on television in the United States. It is also true that people can and will watch the games that interest them. No other country in the world has so many choices that has, uh, that has, uh, that has for sure weakened MLS's position with media outlets. In every other country, their own leagues are prime. Here it is. Uh, it's been cool to be a supporter of the super rich Premier League teams, uh, also some Barcelona and Bayern fans and others. Uh, if it, uh, if as was stated on the podcast, these are the teams uh, talked about at work. That is a problem. Uh, this fracturing, like uh, Humpty Dumpty, cannot be put together again. Yeah, I think at this point, I mean, you look at say Real Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, uh, Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea. Uh, PSG to some extent, and I, there's no stopping them in terms of, I mean, again, like, I mean, I go to pick up my kids from school, and I'm looking at all the soccer jerseys that the kids are wearing. Um, it's Juventus, it's Barcelona, it's a U.S. men's national team shirt, it's a U.S. women's national team shirt. I'm not seeing MLS t- uh, shirts at all. I mean, it's, it's extre- extremely rare uh, to see them. Kyle, what about you? So you're in Tampa, near, near Tampa, Florida. Uh, do you see a lot of uh, Orlando City shirts or any, any other shirts from MLS? MLS shirts, no. I mean, you already mentioned you'll see, uh, for example, Real Madrid and Barcelona shirts. I see a lot of those. I mean, I walk down downtown St. Pete, and they're everywhere. But uh, Orlando City shirts, there's none. Tampa Bay Rowdy shirts, there's none. It's it's a hurdle that MLS has to overcome. I'm not sure how they do it. I mean, the U.S. is in a pretty precarious spot just because everything's so spread out. There's so many teams in Major League Soccer, so... In my eyes, such a, a geographic thing. I mean, I don't see people in Nashville, for example, wearing a Tampa Bay Lightning shirt. The only reason I bring up the Lightning because they play tonight in the playoffs. So um, it's uh, 
it's hard for MLS. I don't know how they overcome it. I mean, Roberto says uh, there's too much world football on TV in the U.S., and I think that's true, but it's like a, it's a give and take, I think, because are we going to be forced to watch Major League Soccer? I mean, sure, it would grow the league, but at the same time, everybody wants to, to watch the best players, which right now is in Europe, and hopefully one day that kind of shifts over to the U.S. We're already kind of seeing that, that trend start up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have the freedom of choice to choose what we want, which is, which is pretty powerful, but it does uh, make it difficult for the old world where there were very few choices. And, and MLS was one of the leagues that was, at the time, other than Liga MX, uh, most accessible. You could switch on uh, ESPN perhaps in the I don't know, uh, early 2000s, uh, late 1990s, and see MLS games. And, and those got really big viewing numbers. But there wasn't an opportunity, for the most part, to watch uh, I mean, all these games from all these leagues from around the world. Dave says, uh, fragmentation and customization are driving many changes in society. And soccer is no exception. Today, two serious soccer fans can have zero overlap in games and shoulder programming consumed during a week. There are pros and cons, and it is interesting to hear your perspectives on the dynamic. You described soccer fans getting uh, mad over what makes a true soccer fan. I find arguing about about personal preferences weird unless there is a zero-sum dynamic such that not everyone's preferences can be fulfilled. A true soccer fan spends their entertainment time and money on soccer. Why would any fan be upset that another fan enjoys different soccer? College basketball strikes me as very fragmented. Uh, just in the men's game, there are 350 D1 teams, each playing 30 games per week, roughly about 5,000 games over four to five months. Most are on TV or streaming, and fans follow often follow different, different leagues and teams. But there are so many dimensions to soccer, league versus cup versus international, multiple countries, multiple languages, etc., such that I think soccer wins as most fragmented. And lastly, Chris Guardino says, when it comes to the topic of other sports that have a fan base as fractured when it comes to viewership as soccer does, I would have to say baseball is up there too. This is mainly because there is a generational split among fans with older fans wanting the game to remain largely the same, which includes having games remain on cable, regional sports networks and over-the-air television. On the other hand, there are younger fans that want uh, rule changes to make the game go faster, for example, a pitch clock, as well as more streaming options to watch games, for example, Apple TV Plus, due to cutting the cord on cable. Major League Baseball is having a difficult time finding the right balance so that both generations of fans are happy and teams are still making money. It should be pointed out that these sets of fans are watching the same on-field product but have differing views on it. Yeah, so really good points by by Chris and, and actually all all of the the feedback on the list of the mailbag. I think it's one of those things. I think I mean, so the average age of a baseball fan is, I think it's almost sixty years old. I mean, it it it's it's a lot higher than soccer and, and the average age of a soccer fan, if I remember, it's it's something like I don't know, late twenties, early thirties. It, it it's a big difference. So, um. I don't think we in soccer we get that generational gap as much. Um, I think yes, there's been obstruction or kind of basically obstacles from a lot of kind of older uh, watchers or viewers of soccer where they don't want to change and move to streaming. But once they do move to streaming, I think then they see the benefits of it because there's more choice and more games available. 
All right. So, listeners, if you have any questions for us about streaming,、uh, watching the game, or any of the feedback that we've mentioned uh, today, uh, or any questions you may have,、uh, definitely get in touch with us. You can reach us、uh, via email, which is web at worldsoccertalk dot com, facebook dot com slash worldsoccertalk,、uh, twitter dot、uh, com slash worldsoccertalk, plus of course on the podcast、uh, thread at worldsoccertalk dot com. So, Carl, before we go,、um, any any stories you're working on that are of interest? Any anything that you've published this week or, or going to be publishing next week that you think listeners might be interested in reading、uh, your in-depth articles at the site? In-depth articles. There's one that Chris and I, you、uh, you and I, both know. We've been working on sitting on this one for a while. It's about、uh, Erling Haaland. You know, will he? Won't he go to Manchester City? It seems all but confirmed that he's going there. And wow, what a benefit he would be to their problem scoring goals. They, well, I guess it wasn't a problem in the first leg against Real Madrid, but it was in the second leg.、Um, but、uh, no, really, what we've been working on is just like、uh, we want to be more interactive with the the readers. Lots of questions about their experience watching soccer, how they got into the game, stuff like that. So that's been fun to to read all those those comments on the website.、Uh, always always good to hear about、uh, people's opinions on soccer, especially when it's things like. Uh, what's the best goal, or what's the best game they've seen in、uh, in their entire lives? Yeah, the one that I'm really interested in is、uh, the best match atmosphere in the,、mm-hmm. in, the Prem- in the Premier League, and and that's at the site right now too. So you can always、uh, listeners check that out and, and give us your vote on that one. But、uh, without stealing your limelight、uh, spotlight, so so to speak,、um, Kyle. I mean, the story that you're working on about Erling Haaland, and and yeah, yeah, you're right. Manchester City need him more than ever. Yeah. But what what about Christopher Nkunku? You think you think you, you mean? Just, I mean, Haaland's had injury problems, right? His form hasn't been、yep. the greatest this season because of the injuries.、Uh, Nkunku for RB Leipzig. I mean, would he be a better fit for Man City, perhaps? For Manchester City, I'd probably lean towards no, just because Nkunku, generally speaking, plays more as a winger. And you look at Manchester City's options that they could put on the wing. You know, Riyad Mahrez, Jack Grealish, he's had an off season, but. He's a young talent, still could definitely、uh, blossom into something better. Bernardo Silva, they got all these talents that could go on the wings. I think what they need is just an out-and-out goal scorer, someone that can win the ball in the air. I think Erling Holland is just like the if you were to draw something in your head, it would turn out like Erling Holland. I think Christopher Nkunku would serve any team that he goes to. I don't see him staying at RB Leipzig next season just because I think he starts on virtually any team in Europe right now based on form alone. Been my player of the the Europa League, even though Iberlice just got knocked out. I mean, he thrived in the Champions League as well in the group stage. He's been just a joy to watch, and we've been keeping an eye on him since the the beginning of the season. I think all of our expectations on him, despite already being lofty, were、uh, were blown away. It's funny too, because like now and again, I'll, I'll dabble in、uh, trading cards, like soccer trading cards and, and stickers. And at the beginning of the season, we had a story by one of our writers,、uh, Diallo. Uh, who posted a story? I think it was the beginning of the season, probably sep- September,、uh, about Christopher. And at that time, I started buying a whole bunch of、uh, the Cuckoo's、uh, trading cards.、Uh, and those cards now, I, I bought them for just a few bucks, and now I think they're in the I don't know, fifty dollars, sixty dollars, a hundred dollars. The value's gone up big time, and I'm sure the value of him in, in the transfer market is going to go up big time. I, I'm really, I mean, that, that's such a A pure player, and and like yeah, you mentioned winger, but I think they're 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 really developing him into more of a forward. I mean, a different type of forward, but what a player! I mean, the、uh, the goal he scored against against Rangers on Thursday that was a that was a striker's goal for sure. That little over the shoulder volley into the far corner. I mean, 
What a finish that was. It didn't end up being the difference in the yeah. end. But. Yeah, Oof. and anyone who's played the game knows how difficult that is. I mean, even to make contact, but to make the contact the way he did and in the back of the net, oh, what a goal. So, if you, uh, listeners, if you missed it, check out the uh, the highlights on that one from Rangers, uh, RB Likes Leipzig. All right, heading into another big weekend of soccer. The uh, Of course, we've got the title races in Italy as well as in England uh, going championship on Saturday. There's games on Saturday morning on ESPN+. Plus. Um, we will find out the final teams that will go into the playoffs in the championship. Uh, Fulham and Bournemouth already promoted. And of course, there's the relegation battle, as well as lots of big games from around the world and around the leagues. So enjoy your football.